2: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McKusick here tonight to continue our series of camp questions today. We're moving on to Inside Linebacker, and here to talk about it with me is Josh Reed. Josh, how are you doing, my friend?
4: I'm doing great, Ken. uh, Great. I'm glad we're finally able to do this one.
3: Yeah, we had some production difficulties last night. Didn't get it done. doesn't matter to you guys. You're hearing this a few days later, no matter what. But going into camp, the the Ravens have uh, a fairly thin group, I would say, at Inside Linebacker, one of the thinner ones on the team. Maybe a place where there are some usage questions change up and cover for some of that. But we're going to talk through each of the players uh, a little bit and and, uh, where they are. Let's start off with the the presumptive starting Mike linebacker, Josh Bynes, who came in midseason last year and played pretty well.
4: Yeah, Josh Bond has really been the savior of the middle of the Ravens defense for two of the past three years. You know, going back to twenty nineteen, was with the Bengals in twenty twenty and back with the Ravens in twenty twenty one. And I mean to me him and him and Queen are their only only two locks. That I really see making the roster this year. Everybody's kind of up in the air. Even Malik Harrison, and I will get to him. But um, sticking with Josh Fines, he's a guy that you know. Like I said I I still expect him to be not an every down player, even though he's shown you know better you know pass coverage ability than some of the other guys on the roster. But I still see him as that stabilizing force as long as the Ravens will have him.
3: Yeah, very good lane awareness uh, in the passing game. That that is really something I wasn't necessarily expecting in twenty nineteen when he came back. Uh, had a couple of interceptions that year. They really showed an awareness of where the football was heading. Uh, and uh, other times he's been around the ball. Not a great step-for-step cover guy. And I'm not going to you know put that on him and, and not a candidate for the green dot because he's not going to be a three-down linebacker. He's a, he's a guy who would typically come off. Last year it was for Chris Board. Uh, this year it could be for Patrick Queen. It could be for Tony Jefferson. Uh, it, it, there could be multiple guys who would be in at what would otherwise be that Mike spot.
4: Yeah, i um, honestly. I believe this might be the year the Ravens go lighter into linebacker than they have, arguably in franchise history. I mean, with the incredible that they have at safety now, I can really see them arguably carrying maybe like three or four into linebackers into the season. And then because they have a such a you know a plethora of undrafted rookies this year, and then they got Christian Welch from you know a couple years ago, I think they can just have those guys on the practice squad and pull them up as needed.
3: Okay, now that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about that as an idea for Christian Welch, is that he might survive to that point. I think you're limited in terms of number of elevations this year from the practice squad to two still. So they could play that game with him for a while, and then they have to then they have to bring him onto the roster at some point. But again, the Ravens are very creative in how they use that roster is certainly a possibility. Just to talk about Bynes a little more, still gives you that good two-down run defense. Uh, uh, also, I think... He's been a guy that Patrick Queen could, when it was not as obvious for him to read keys, could play off some of Josh Bynes' exceptional play speed and make his read a little quicker as a trail guy in particular.
4: Yeah, he's definitely a guy that makes Patrick Queen's job a lot easier on the field. You know, when when you got those two guys lined up next to each other, Queen can just go on and he can kind of, like you said, play off of him and allow him to play more free and fast until he can get some of that game speed and and, um, and play recognition up to not quite to the bison level because it might take a few years, but at least up to par.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, let's talk about Patrick Queen here, and and I seem to have something to say about Patrick Queen on a lot of shows. I want to be as positive as I can about the situation here. Patrick Queen, a big year in his career, coming into his third year. uh, Some of the recent inside linebackers have not been picked up, in particular Devin Bush for this year was not picked up. That was a big one because the Steelers traded up to get him at number 10 overall. Uh, I've hypothesized that there's a significant overvaluation of Mike linebackers in particular, people looking for a three-down unicorn uh, that they can have in there, that they can even wear the green dot, and are willing to overpay in terms of draft capital for that in the last few years in particular. To my, money, to my way of thinking, the draft with the two Devons was the worst of that, uh, it was the peak of that uh, phenomenon.
4: Yeah, especially when you think about some of the second, third round middle linebackers that have come out in recent years. You think guys like Darius Leonard, second round out South Carolina State, Fred Warner. I think he was a second and third round pick. Uh, Logan Wilson, second and third round pick. All these guys who are you know superb in coverage and can do everything you know under the sun didn't go in the first round. So you know the premium that are being placed on our on. Um, on the first round inside linebackers, that's how I was so surprised when the drags traded back in for uh, in the first round for De- to get Devin Lloyd and ended up taking Chad Muma. And I'm like, you already played a linebacker in free agency, and then you, you you end up, Chad Muma ended up falling into your lap, and you still, you still ended up trading. So I think they have a surplus of talent at linebacker, and I didn't think they had to do that um, for Devin Lloyd because I think Muma might yeah, end really, up being I a better player.
3: Look- I, I I agree, um, I, and I, I, it was surprising to me, the um, all of the all of the inside linebackers in this year had some question about them. If you like your great tacklers, those are there for you. Leo Chanel comes to mind. You know, in their, the questions about him are in coverage. If, if you had guys who are in the third fourth round, who all can do some things well, and in a lot of ways they represent. Um, that, that kind of a platoon inside linebacker that I really love in terms of, of you know, filling a single, potentially very expensive slot in terms of both draft capital and land cap uh, with multiple players that are easier to replace and you know, kind of like Earl Weaver platooning at those positions. Uh, the Ravens have, have done some of that, certainly in the past, very successfully in 2019 at that will spot with, with Chuck Clark uh, you know, playing dime. In 2018 with, with Levine playing dime uh, and, and having uh, you know, a plethora of guys there, uh, Young and, um, and uh, Owasso and others that, that were playing other downs. Uh, I, 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 I wonder if the day of the three-down linebacker is near an end Uh, And still, I'm I'm hopeful that Patrick Queen could develop to be that guy. Uh, The clock is ticking very closely. If If he is, if he develops this year, the Ravens could still keep him for his career. If he develops next year, I think it's very unlikely that it'll happen. Yeah, I think
4: this is the most pivotal season of Patrick Queen's young, very young career. But I also think he's, he's poised to seize that moment and, and, and really pop. He, I, I, I feel like an underrated part, and it's not really underrated because it's just been talked about a lot this offseason, but the acquisition of Zach, Zach Orr to the coaching staff and going from Rex Ryan to, I'm sorry, not Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan to, to Zach Orr, a young coach who's not only been there, done that, but has been there, done that at an extremely high level and that's young. And they, I, think, I don't even think he's thirty I don't even think Zach Orr is thirty yet. He might be in like in his late twenties, twenty 28, 29. He's a guy that can really relate to guys like Queen and younger players, and he can really get down there and nitty gritty and actually run drills with them, not just sitting there with his big belly tossing, rolling the medicine ball, you know. <laughs> so I think, um, I think the acquisition of Zach Orr is going to be an extremely tremendous asset to Patrick Queen's trajectory of his um of his career.
3: I was actually wondering about that the other night, whether or not he was younger than Josh Bynes. He is. He just turned 30 in June.
4: Yeah, exactly, so maybe, exactly.
3: A, a, a ho- hopefully very relatable. And you're absolutely right in that Or a terrific coverage linebacker. In fact, uh, those uh, teams under DPs played very little dime. And part of the reason was that Orr was such a good coverage inside linebacker as the second guy to go along with Mosley, that they really almost became a, a committed two inside linebacker, a committed nickel team. Uh, that uh, you know was was different from what I think of the current ravens or or a lot of the older ravens teams as being
4: yeah to go from to go from Daryl Smith to C.J. Mosley to Daryl, tell I mean, to C.J. Mosley and Zach Orr was just was just awesome. You know that like you know I wouldn't quite call it a golden age, but it was a nice smooth transition. And you know that was a, you know good good years of production from having two inside linebackers. Whereas now you're like, uh, should we just put a safety on there, or like okay well, if we have a stabilizing force at Mike, we can have a, a a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing in pass coverage, but can just run and hit at will. Like you know they had that and with you know with, with Peanut that year, and people thought that once C.J. left, maybe Peanut would be able to to the plate he didn't unfortunately because because he's better suited like Queen who was his first two years in the league he's better suited as that run and hit kind of guy and he wasn't ready to take on all the responsibilities of being a true Mike
3: right a lot, a lot of size issues and and you know with the with the smaller guys the question is all about all about can they get off those blocks you know can they uh, be a guy who uh, can shed uh, the Queen South the Queen doesn't have other issues and and you know the tools are all there. And I just find myself, like Rashad Perriman, just saying, positional coaching is just gonna be what gets these guys over the humps. Quarterbacks know they have to do it. Lamar Jackson's right on your own team. Look at him. Look at what he's doing to try and improve himself every offseason. And you know, the weight room is great and, and please, you know, do that as part of your regular regimen, but uh, to the degree that, that, that positional coaching could be part of, of what Patrick Green did this off season I, I uh, we're, we're now out of time, so we're just at a point where we can just see whether it's occurred or not. Uh, but I hope he's he's had some of that.
4: Yeah, and that's what I said. I'm telling you, Zach Orr, Zach Orr is going to be the key to Patrick Queen's success this year. Like if he has a if he has a big boom in production and consistency, um, I'm not going to give all the credit to Zach Orr, but you know I feel like he'd be definitely be the catalyst.
3: Yeah, I I mean I agree with that, and I think we'll we'll see that, and we'll. It'll become really apparent because Patrick Queen doesn't play special teams, so you have the period at the beginning of practice where, you know, we'll just see how active they are together. But even, even so, Zach Gore can only coach uh, Patrick Queen at certain times during the year. He's, not, he's precluded from talking mm-hmm. to him at other, at other times during the year. Is that time that Patrick Queen needs to use productively. And uh, we're, we're at the end of where the Ravens need to make a choice on whether Patrick Queen uh, becomes a fifth-year Raven – before his fourth year even begins, and with that goes the na- come the natural questions of whether or not he's going to be signed to an extension, and become a long-term uh, Raven who, you know, will eventually compete to be in the Ring of Honor someday if he if he uh, plays well. Because um, it's you got to play two contracts <laughs> pretty much if you're going to do that. Being a number one draft pick alone is is uh, is not enough. But anyway,
4: yeah. uh, go ahead. I was I was going to say playing um you know in Patrick Queen's defense a little bit, playing for a team that not only has a rich tradition of, you know, hitting on first-round linebackers, but also on the other end of the spectrum has a rich tradition of unearthing undrafted gems at the linebacker position. I mean, that's like, you know, it's, it's, got to, it's probably a lot of pressure for him, you know, both mentally like, okay, you know, this team really invested. They think I'm going to be the next C.J. Mosley, next Ray Lewis, or I could have the next Zach Orr coming to take my job. You know what I'm saying? So that's a lot, of, probably a lot of pressure for him.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and and even I mean the comparisons to some of the linebackers. I mean Ellerby played a really significant uh, part on that Super Bowl team, including the the game winning pressure uh, on uh, on Kaepernick. Uh, Jameel McClain, yep. terrific. Bart Scott, of course, you know who he was. Dallas yep. Thomas wasn't an inside linebacker. But they got him in the sixth round. Jared Johnson, they converted to the inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Because, hey, the Ravens are the inside linebacker gurus of the NFL, but. It's it's really sad that it hasn't worked out so far for Queen and and we're just we're out of time and it's unfortunate um, regardless of what the excuses were before about not having not being in the uh, not being in the position for very long not uh, you know having a COVID year uh, impede the off season uh, as he came into the league. Those are bad things, but the Ravens now have to make a decision and, and just make the best judgment they can based on where he is. It's great to hear that he may have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You hear his parents saying, oh, you just wait. High school was his third year, college was his third yep. year. It's year going to three. Be his third year in the NFL.
4: Yep. Yeah. Year. I, I, I actually uh, saw something about that, too, about how year three has always been a big year for him throughout his career. And so hopefully that, you know, that 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 trend continues, you know, that year three is the year he pops. I'm very hopeful that he'll pop. And um, if, if he does, um, it'll it'll be a great boost for the Ravens and a great return on their investment.
3: Right. I, I agree. I, I even would manage expectations a little bit, manage my own anyway. I don't try and manage other people's expectations, but I'm, I'm going to tell you what my own are. That's how I put it. I, a good year for me, for Patrick Queen, uh, he contributes as a good two down will linebacker. I, I, he doesn't need to play the mic at all. To, to and, and obviously, you know, I'm not talking about like where the tight end is lined up on a particular play, and or if there's motion that somehow puts him on the strong side. I'm not talking about any of that crap. I'm talking about in general uh, if he's if he's in there with Bynes playing that will spot. Um, if he can if he can do that well, that would be a win based on where he is right now.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Like I said, just because somebody doesn't, you know, just because somebody doesn't develop until the next Fred Warner from day one or day two or day three i guess year one year two or year three doesn't mean that you know he can't be a useful asset to the team so um like i said as long as he's contributing on consistent basis making plays you know i can't really complain
3: all right let's move on uh we've talked i think enough enough about patrick Uh, uh we can talk about harrison a little bit maybe as the as the next guy uh disappointing career so far obviously maybe in the doghouse a little bit for what happened last year in cleveland and the the uh, the incident where he's in uh, in the line of fire. Uh, I, I assume if he had done something, well, I don't know. I don't even want to speculate on the incident honestly because it's one of these things where we don't know the details and no. we just we're not in a position to say. It's just obviously whatever he told Harbaugh about it. Harbaugh had series with Joe Thomas at inside linebacker spelling binds. He had series with Welch spelling by a number of those, mm-hmm. um, and he didn't. Harris only played one defensive snap yep. after I think the seventh week of the season. Yep. So that's that's telling a pretty strong story. And and I, I mean, some good players have been sat down like that. Uh, Patrick Ricard got sat down extensively uh, for for an incident that had happened on Twitter when I think he was in high school. Uh, that somebody dug up, uh, you know. It's so. Harbaugh definitely has a doghouse, and he had he wants to send a strong message to his team about what acceptable behavior is. Uh, yeah, I think responsibility is always important, whether it's a fumble or something that happens off the field where you shouldn't have been there. You're you're, you're in a car with somebody else who's drunk. Somebody else has got an open uh, beer in your car, whatever. You know, just don't put yourself in those kind of crap positions. And uh, and you know, he's he's. Intolerant entirely of people who don't want to work hard at practice. And I haven't heard any indication that's what the problem is with Harrison, because I think if you coupled an off-field incident with that, he'd probably be gone already.
4: Yeah, 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 for sure. John Harbour doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't tolerate people that don't work hard, doesn't tolerate people that don't respect the program or respect the shield, so.
3: Yeah, anyway, it's, uh, Harrison still, I think, uh, could be, the two-down mic of the future for this team. you know, Certainly a guy who uh, is bigger, plays that way, uh, really needs to, to do a few things better in terms of pass coverage. He has some of the lack of understanding in terms of what's going on beyond him. He probably uh, goes for the cheese a little bit less than Queen does in terms of really losing his assignment, uh, but still not the greatest instincts on what's happening, not the greatest quarterback reader in terms of between level two and level three throws.
4: Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, it's like I, I think I only remember seeing him make like one play in coverage his first two years in the league, and I think it was as a rookie. I think it was against the Browns. He had kind of passed the Fletcher or something like that. Um, just like I said, just like I said, the general lack of awareness that most of the guys on the roster outside of vines has have shown in pass coverage. And um, like I said, I'd I'd like for him to develop into that you know, into that you know at least a two down. I will not say thumper, but you know two two down player who can play on early downs, maybe come off the field in, in lieu of a safety on third down. But this is in the same way. That it's a pivotal third, third, you know, year for for Patrick Queen. It's probably even more crucial and pivotal for Malik Harrison because this might be his last chance with the Ravens. I mean, Patrick Queen's going to be in this roster no matter what happens. I mean, I mean, I, can, I shouldn't say that because anything can happen off the field. But um, barring barring off the field issues or catastrophic injury, you know, knock on wood, uh, Patrick Queen's going to be in this roster this time next year no matter what. Whereas Malik Harrison, you know, if he doesn't have a standout training camp and preseason, he could. Find himself, you know, on the street or on another team's roster.
3: Yeah, I mean, if if the if the Ravens don't pick up the fifth year option on Queen, then both of them are entering their fourth year uh, next year. Now, Queen's money, I believe, is completely guaranteed, which is another factor that probably increases his chance to to be on the team for that last year. And I think that's what you might be getting at. But in, in Harrison's case, uh, it's not a big savings or anything. But it, but it would be a guy that they uh, they could cut. Uh, going to his final year, or could trade. I mean, a lot of things could happen if if it doesn't work out for him this year. Uh, yeah, I'd be ashamed.
4: Yeah, I was saying. Yeah, I think he's he, despite his lack of production his first couple of years. I think given just given people put a lot of stock in the draft pedigree. Given the fact that he was a third round pick, I think that you know he still could be traded for something. And we just saw Nikhil Harry go for his conditional seventh round pick to the Bears. And um, you know the Ravens aren't afraid to, of, of releasing or, or cutting um, third round third round picks. They just did it with Miles Boykin this off season. So um, like I said, Malik um, better shape up, or he might you know be on his, be on the outside looking in.
3: There you go. Okay, well, let's move on. we got uh, a couple interesting guys, actually three of them. Okay, we've got Welch, first of all. I guess he really deserves a conversation before the three UDFA guys. But uh, Welch has played some good special teams since he's been here. He's played a little bit of inside linebacker. I don't think he's looked bad there either. Uh, a guy who I would kind of say his his spot is fairly secure in this group. That's not entirely because they might really like one of these UDFAs. Uh, but to me, Welch is a guy who I think they know what they have with him. He's entering year three, so he's lost. He, that is correct, right? He's entering year three? Or is he yes, yeah. He came, he
4: came in 2020, so he's entering year three. Okay,
3: okay. so anyway, entering year three, he, the clock is kind of running in terms of the option value running out, uh, but, but he is a guy, I think, who the Ravens know what they have, a bigger player, uh, probably does not give you much in pass coverage like like the other kings, but a more established uh, two-down thumper, not a bad chase player either.
4: Yeah, I mean, to me, he's he's the next Chris Board, you know He's the next, you know, core special teamer That may play limited snaps on defense Or could earn earn more snaps on defense Like he did down the stretch, you know Down the stretch of last season, you know uh, Millie Harrison only played one snap of defense down the stretch. Took I think I think Christian Watson was playing like thirty or thirty three snaps on yep. defense. So um, you know he's a guy that that, that plays that can pl- earn more playing time on defense through special teams. And I think given that you know they you know they don't have guys like Anthony Levine on the roster anymore. I think you know that could open up a, a, you know a spot or a role. Um, even though I think tony jefferson's kind of going to assume that you know co-cap role i think a guy like christian Rush could you know if he proved that he can step his game up on defense even a little bit more i think he could be a guy that could you know really um find his niche as a core special teamer and rotational defensive player
3: yeah i think the day where the ravens um have guys who are pure special teamers i hope is over Now, now there will be some guys who by the way only end up playing special teams but they, a guy like Welch is a guy who I think could step in for you for a game if you needed, to, needed him to, and so I don't think of him in the same light. Levine and Jordan Richards at the end of their careers uh, were guys who were just pure special teams players. So they're, they're, I, I don't think there's anybody like that on the Ravens that's going to make the team this year. You know, somebody, Tony Jefferson will be a guy who's – primary responsibility. He's probably going to be captain of special teams, but he he darn well better be available to play as a fourth safety in some packages when the Ravens need him, because I think they could really use him particularly to replace one of these inside linebackers. On some obvious passing downs, end a game and a half kind of situation.
4: Yeah, and he proved he could do that at a somewhat high level. the Second half of the season last year, I mean, the play he made against the Rams, amazing. A couple of plays he made mm-hmm. against the Bengals, amazing. So uh, he's yeah. a guy that can definitely come in and play that dime linebacker role, uh, or even that box safety if needed.
3: Yeah, it's a, even if you look at the comp, at the comparison, and and Jefferson wasn't there the whole season, and Welch was, but Welch only played thirty four snaps last year, as as I have, and that takes out the penalties. Uh, I have 80 snaps for Jefferson, uh, non-penal 80 non-penalty snaps. So he really saw some action. And, and in those 80 snaps, he got a fair number of tackles, as our call had Nine tackles, mm-hmm. I know, in one game. So uh, he was a significant contributor. Uh, still a very much beloved player in this town. Easily, I can easily see him being the next Anthony Levine and very much loved and respected for for what he does in a in a you know limited defensive responsibility and a special teams captaincy kind of role. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Um well, let's talk about the about the UDFAs cuz there are three of them here and you know what I know about them is somewhat limited. Uh, I've done a little bit of research going back on uh Zacoby McClain who came out of Auburn Uh, Exciting player, you know, certainly has the SEC pedigree. Um, A good tackler, I would say not a great tackler. And I I got some pushback from my guest on that particular one. I think it was uh, uh, Jason Smith who was on talking with me about it. But uh, any thoughts on him?
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to that podcast you did on, on, on the Zacobe. I forgot who you guys paired him with when you did that podcast, but um, yeah, he's definitely a guy that I was watching because I watched a lot of SEC. People ask me like, "Oh, who's your college football team?" Man, I, I, I watch SEC. I watch a little, watch a little, watch a little Hurricanes when they're good, but mostly SEC. So I'm familiar with a lot of the SEC guys, especially the front seven players and the secondary guys. And um, he's a guy that I've been I've been watching for a while, and you know that's that's he's he's more developed. As far as pass coverage, especially in zone coverage, then 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 Queen was coming out of college, than some of the other guys they have on the roster right now outside of Bynes. So he's a guy that um, I think has a has a really good chance of uh, pushing for a roster spot if um, he can show what he can show what he show what he did in college consistently in training camp practices and in the preseasons. He's gonna have the pretty good preseason to make to kind of rip one of those spots away from Welsh or or Harrison.
3: We should see a lot of playing time uh, in the second half of the preseason games as the Ravens try and extend their uh, unbeaten streak or the the, the winning streak in in the preseason. But uh, McLean, Ross, and Fago will be three guys who will be on there in the second half, a lot at inside linebacker. It'll be interesting to see them. But the thing I'm going to be looking for in in the preseason more than in camp, um, are, are the camp I want to see is the guy in the right place. Does he seem to be you know what he's doing in 7-on-7 seven seven drills and 11-on-11 11 11 in terms of, of, of understanding what his responsibility is? But in, in the preseason, what I want to see is play speed. I want to see how quickly he's diagnosing what's going on uh, and getting to the right spot. And I think it's probably a little harder to get that in camp with a, with a lot of the brother-in-law issues, a lot of the repetition of the same offense you're playing against uh, for, for you know a couple weeks on end. But uh, uh, I hope during the preseason we see uh, three guys who really get it, and they make the Ravens' decision tough about who they have to cut and who they. And probably a couple guys get kept on the practice squad from this group.
4: Yeah, yeah, um, and and uh, if, if you want to make a good transition into the next guy, um, uh, uh, Josh Ross, I think that that may be where he has the advantage over the other two guys because he's familiar with Mike McDonald's scheme, and, and McDonald knows him. It's kind of like McDonald's guy, you know. And so, he, and he had his mo- his best his best year of his collegiate career as a senior year when McDonald was the defensive play caller. So he's, he might be a guy that may know where to go may have the early lead. I mean, you know, said so they went with the Brooklyn minicamp and, and, and minicamp and off-season, se- off so I'm not sure how much of an advantage he has at this point in the off-season, you know, but he still might be a guy that, you know, that that McDonald might lean on a little bit when it comes to, like, helping those other young guys along and that has more familiarity because familiarity, it's one thing to have a few months, um, you know, in your playbook and digesting it, you know, but Ross has an entire year of it, you know, so he's already, he already knows what to expect and kind of familiar with some of the language of the, of, of, of uh, the of the of the playbook and, and kind of knowing where to be and, and where where to line other people up. So if he if he can show that running with the second or third team, you know he might he might get himself an edge.
3: Ross kind of a ponderously slow guy. Uh, 479, 40, uh, 489 actually at his pro day, the combine he was at four seventy nine, uh, a seven sixty five three cone. He's got to play faster than that. To be a guy that, that's going to excite the Ravens, even, even though McDonald knows what he can do, familiarity, all that. Um, if if he's not a guy who can who can demonstrate pretty quickly that he can play faster than that, you know that his reads are quicker. Um, yeah, there's a problem
4: yeah i mean like th- didn't josh bynes run like a historically slow well not historically slow, but a really slow forty so if you got guys who you may not run the fastest forties right, but if their processing speed is 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 up to par or faster than you know the average u d f a then that's the guy that can make you know, they, can, they can hang around in the league for a bit so if, if ross shows that if he shows that his processing speed can make up for his lack of foot speed, then you know he might you might um have a have a stand a chance
3: yeah uh, that's a, that's a, he's a good one. Diego Fago, a guy, uh, you know, played more or less locally at Navy. Uh, another guy that, that uh, you know, the Ravens brought in seems to be kind of a Ravens guy in terms of how he approaches things, which I think can help him. Uh, don't know if he's quite the athlete that they need. Um,
4: no, he's 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 really he's really a, a throwback, you know, um, two down two down thumper kind of dude. He's the kind of guy that excels playing closer to the line of scrimmage and and coming downhill, not necessarily excels well in space or, or anything like that, but um it definitely put a put a licking on you and the Ravens probably had their eye on him being that you know he played at Annapolis and at for Naval Academy. So um it's probably a guy that they've been looking at for a while. Like, you know, we can see that guy being a solid special teams dude for happen to be particularly light on Linebackers, um, you know, for a season, but he's definitely a. To me, forgo' is like prime practice squad guy. You know, unless he does something like incredibly impressive in training camp in the preseason, he's him, him, and him, and McClain or Ross. I could see, I honestly, I could see all three of those guys being prime practice squad dudes. But forgo for sure.
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it's a big unit, so they have an opportunity to get multiple guys there, and and it's certainly a place from which you can draw a game day activation or two. Uh, during the season so uh, you know it's a real opportunity opportunity. Uh, he, Figo is a, is a somewhat bigger guy than the others in terms of uh, just his, his height and, and weight so uh, you know definitely a guy you want. In addition to recognition speed, which is still going to be the most important thing, is how quick can he diagnose plays? Does he play faster than he runs? Because that that better be true. Uh, I want to see how he drives through a tackle in his case. I want to see it with McLean, too, honestly. Uh, But I want to see it in, in Figo's case as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, this you know, has the side for it, and even if like you know, if they wanted to like kind of how people have been talking about using Harrison as an early down, you know, outside linebacker setting the edge. of Flacco can show that he can do something like that, that might you know give him you know a little bit. I would not say an edge, but like okay, you know, this is a guy who can who can really kind of set the edge and and, and fill and fill gaps in in the run game. So, um, it's 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 uh really any anyone's game when it comes to these last three.
3: So let's talk about how you think the roster might be filled out. You mentioned either four or three inside linebackers. How would you how would you do that based on what you know now, who makes the team and who, who's on the practice squad?
4: Um, practice squad, I, I feel like all three of the UDFA guys are going to be on the practice squad. Um, and then as far as, I, I, like I said earlier, I think that Queen and Bonds are your first-year locks. And that um, that I, I could see them carrying you know both Harrison and um, and Welsh to the season. I could also see them carrying Harrison or Welsh to the season, especially if their safeties play um, you know stay healthy throughout training camp and, and you know show well in the preseason like they did last year. Just remember all the remember all the plays that the safeties were making last preseason. You know you had Geno Stone making it with, with with two interceptions. You know you had uh, Darius Washington with the I think a forced fumble or fumble recovery, one of the two. And um, like I said. I, I'm not sure how much... Pre, how much preseason that Tony Jefferson is going to play but he might be in there too um, you know just proving that he can keep up that same level of play that he had at the, at the end of last season and carry it over to this season you know I'm pretty sure Brandon Stevens is going to get a lot of run in the preseason um, when it, I'm not sure what whether they want to use him as safety or a cornerback hopefully they use him at cornerback is, is my hope but you know they still might experiment him with that safety a little bit just because it's the preseason and hey why not so um, I think um, like, I said, like I said at the top of this pod man this could be the year the Ravens go lighter inside linebacker than they ever have.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely could see a good possibility for four as well, and I think you probably got it on the money with with uh, who gets kept. Would not shock me if McLean is one of the four, and and that Harrison and or Harrison I or sorry, I'm sorry. Harrison or Welch um, is uh, is gone. It's an opportunity to reset. So a player like Christian Welch, he's valuable, but entering year three. Same kind of thoughts have to be with with Justice Hill, for instance, entering year four, and what rookie running back might knock him off, such that he's not on the team. And uh, yeah, the Ravens have a number of other third-year guys uh, in the same position. Broderick Washington, a guy who's kind of on the bubble on the roster right now, entering year three. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you, and I think those are those would be my call. That would be my call too, in terms of who makes it. And I think I agree with you also. I think all three are good candidates for the practice squad. Uh, And I guess it's even possible Welch could end up there as well.
4: Yeah, and then you know if that ended up being the case, and like I said, you can pull them up as needed. So even though you only get two elevations, and I don't think they're doing the COVID thing anymore, so even though you only get two practice squad call ups, just think about it. That's that's four as four guys that you got for eight potential call ups, and you know there may be some weeks where you just run around all your safeties. You won't need to call one up. So of those eight call, of those eight call ups, you know you may only need an extra linebacker what four or five times a year. So um, I think I think that would work out just fine if that were to end up being the
3: case. Yeah. The thing I would worry about is that when they do cut down day, uh, if they want to cut either or both of Harrison and Welch, let's say they want to do something really extreme, go with three. They like McLean a lot and they want to keep Queen and they want to keep Bynes. They just say, you know, Harrison, there's not enough option value there. And Welch, he's running out of value too, entering year three. And we just we need to reset the position so we will take a chance on putting him through waivers. If they put Welch and Harrison through waivers. Do you think they make it or do you think somebody claims him?
4: Um I don't think I don't think Harrison would make it through waivers. I think I think Welsh has the best chance of the two of making it through waivers just because like I say he's mostly been a special teams mainly kind of kinda of dude. But like I said Harrison, even though he hasn't done a whole lot his first couple years in the league, given his draft pedigree and athletic profile, I think, you know, a team might just take a flyer and claim him off of waivers. Um and um, but Welsh I think he's the guy that could definitely clear and make it to the practice club.
3: Okay. well, that's that's really the question. Then, of course, week after week as the, uh, you know, the replacement level is not a level thing in the NFL. It goes down over the course of a season as you have injuries and, and, you know, you have to make do with less and what pool of available talent is still around as the season goes on. Uh, If they have all those inside linebackers sitting on their on their practice squad, do they all make it through? And there's no protections this year, as I understand it, that that is gone. Uh, so, the you know, the, the, there will be opportunities for other teams to poach players. And these are all also going to be guys who are very familiar with the Ravens special teams, all of them. And, you know, the Bill Belichick uh, scheme would always be pick up a Ravens player before you play them so you understand what they might be trying to do. Uh, and other teams may do that as well
4: yeah yeah definitely um do they play a, yeah they play Patriots this year and um and I think within the first four weeks of the season because they play the entire AFC in the first four weeks so don't be surprised if, if you know if the one of the Ravens guys they end up getting cut winds up being a Patriot I can definitely see Malik Harrison being a Patriot I mean honestly I mean they they um like I said, I'm not sure what their linebacker situation is looking like at the moment but um I know they've they've been kind of slow at that position and having a guy like Malik, Malik Harrison they can move faster than some of the guys they've had in um this past few years and that has the inside track on Raven special teams. You never know.
3: Yeah. There you go. All right. I, always a pleasure talking football with you. Uh, it's great having you on anytime, Josh tell folks Twitter handle and where they can uh, read your work.
4: Yeah. So I'm at uh, Josh, uh, Josh Reed nine, uh, nine zero seven. I was say nine Oh seven, but it's not actually. It's, it's, it's zero. It's when you're from, when you're from Alaska, you say 907. So it's 907
3: Josh. 907
1: area
4: code. Yep. So it's at Josh Reed 907. And I'm a contributor for the Baltimore Beatdown. So you can find all my, all my Ravens content at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. And I'm also um, a full-time sports reporter for Anchorage Daily News up here in Anchorage, Alaska. So if you want to read some quality content, not necessarily about sports all the time, but this could feel-good sports-related stories, you know, um, you can probably read a, a, you know a free article or two a month up there. On the site.
3: <laughs> All right, that's great. Uh, and and what what have you been writing about, Frank, for, for the paper lately?
4: Um, I actually um, I I just did uh, a feature story on the growth of uh girls softball up here at Anchorage, Alaska. Um, not just in Anchorage, but throughout the throughout the state. Um, covered a, a softball home run derby, and it was the first time um a the home run derby for uh for softball of girls of all ages ever been held in the state. So that was a pretty big deal. Um, the kids, uh, Nash, team Alaska kids national team had. 34 All-Americans at the Kids Nationals um, uh, in, uh, where was it? Four, somewhere somewhere in utah i think oh God. i just did a story about that and i interviewed um country music sensation sam hunt um he's up in alaska doing two shows um over the weekend um today and uh, today july 15th and tomorrow on the 16th and he's a former a uh, former nfl hopeful turned country music sensation so um yeah i did a nice little story on him so if you want to check that out go to anchor
3: fun stuff thanks josh Uh, Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open looking for a nice narrow topic we can discuss in 25, 30 minutes. And uh, that's always ideal. I'll get back to you really quickly, and I promise uh, uh, we'll get it scheduled within a few days. Uh, Josh, thanks again. Thanks for having me, Ken. It's always a pleasure.